Hello, hello, hello. Welcome one and welcome all to episode number 100. That's right, episode number 100. Let me say it again for effect. Episode number 100, yay, of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Reamer. We have made it to a very important landmark episode. I do have a message for all of you on episode number 100 that I will get to in just a few minutes. We'll have a bit of an abbreviated show today. Uh, Well, because I'm currently in COVID quarantine and I feel like I should rest up. Uh, That's right. I have not revealed this publicly. And by publicly, I mean posting on Twitter or some quarantine thirst trap on Instagram. I feel like I'm the only person in COVID quarantine who has not posted a give me some attention, please, I'm so alone, thirst trap picture. You know what I'm talking about. You go on IG, you see these people, shirtless selfies, yeah, quarantine, treating me well, or oh, day five, oh my god, you're looking so great, amazing, you're doing amazing, sweetie. Uh, Trying to not do that yet, but it is only Saturday. Uh, I still have another day or so left of the quarantine, so maybe by the end of the weekend, I'll be broken, but so far, so good. Um, Just want to say a couple things. Uh, I'm feeling fine. Thank you for asking. (laughs) If you are asking, I've uh, had mild mild symptoms throughout. The worst thing is uh, this phlegm that's stuck in my throat that uh, hopefully will go away uh, sometime soon. And hopefully uh, I don't have to interrupt the show with with the voice clear like that. Uh, But overall, I have mild symptoms. I'm feeling fine. Um, and, you know, I guess the biggest lesson, if I am going to take a lesson from getting COVID, is that, A, I'm happy that I am not only fully vaxxed, but boosted. Uh, yes, my symptoms were mild, but I did have symptoms, and I did not feel great. Uh, the first night, I tested positive, and I mentioned I have this little lingering phlegm thing, so if I wasn't vaccinated, it would maybe be much worse, and I would be much more uncomfortable throughout these last few days. So that's number one. And number two, you know, I'm in a very fortunate position in life, not just that uh, I have the space in my home to comfortably isolate and not be confined to just a bedroom. Uh, I'm lucky there. And I'm also lucky that I have jobs in which I can take the time off if I'm not feeling well and still be paid as a salaried employee at my full-time job. And here at OutSports, uh, we get a monthly stipend as well. Hope I'm not revealing too many state secrets. I think that's fine. But I'm fortunate enough where if I don't work because I feel sick, I do get paid. And I can work remotely, which I've been doing for the last week because I've been up to it. And I mean, what the hell else am I going to do as I sit here? (laughs) So, uh, but I know a lot of people can't do that. If you are an in-person worker, an essential worker, of course, uh, you can't do that. You don't have that luxury. And it just shows that the people who have paid the worst cost of this pandemic time and time again are people from low income communities when it comes to COVID death rate, when it comes to uh, severe illness, when it comes to the structural issues, when it comes to, again, if you have COVID like I do and you have to work at a restaurant or a store or in any job where if you don't show up in person, you don't get paid or maybe you get paid a small, your small hourly wage, but you don't get the tips, which is what matters most. It's It sucks, and we don't have any coherent policy two years into this pandemic on the federal level at all. It's just, it's been a disaster. We've been failed by our government all the way around, and I'm so sick of debating schools, masks, 
it's the same stuff for two years. I've made my opinions very clear in a lot of this, not just on this show, but on Twitter as well, and I'm feeling a little feisty. I'm kind of done with that at this point. I think the main message that we should all just take from this hellacious ongoing experience is that we've been failed on all levels by our government and both parties. And I hope that uh, we we don't forget that because uh, this is something that certainly is not worth forgetting. So that's my COVID update. I hate to bring uh, start off a celebratory moment, a celebratory show on such a heavy note, but hey, that's life. And I think one of the beauties of this podcast and podcasts in general is we can let each other in to our lives. Uh, there is, a, of course, a number of interesting stories in Outsports this week, as there always is, but Sid Ziegler wrote one in particular that I want to call attention to here. Uh, we've spent a lot of time in the last couple of weeks talking about Leah Thomas, the out uh, trans swimmer at the University of Penn, who's swimming on the women's team, and she's dominating. Well, she was back in the pool this past weekend for a dual meet against Dartmouth and Yale, a great Ivy League matchup, and one of the swimmers... For the uh, women's, t- uh, for the excuse me, for the Yale uh, women's team is a trans man named Isaac Hennig, who, as I mentioned, is a trans man committed competing on the Yale women's swim- swimming team. He defeated Leah Thomas last week. That may seem confusing to those who are not all that well versed on these issues, but basically. Uh, Both Thomas and Henning are following NCAA rules on trans athletes, which were devised in 2011. Uh, We know that Leah Thomas has has taken hormones for at least a year so she can qualify, and Isaac Henning, as a woman who now identifies as a trans man, he, and his pronouns are he, can compete on the women's swimming team as well, and we've seen a couple instances of this throughout sports. And, you know, I, I think the big message is, and I encourage anyone to read Sid's piece who wants to learn more about this admittedly very complex issue, is the NCAA rules on trans athletes, as I mentioned, were devised in 2011. Uh, That was over 10 years ago at this point. And the information that we have on trans athletes and trans people in general is much different in 2022 than it was in 2011. So I've said time and time again that the NCAA needs to come out and make some sort of statement here in regards to Leah Thomas's participation and now Isaac Henning's participation as well. Uh, they need to make a statement explaining why these two athletes are not disobeying the rules. They are not cheaters, which they have been wrongly called in all sorts of anti-trans and right-wing out- out- outlets. And they need to explain the policy in layman's terms to the general public. That is the duty of the NCAA. And the fact that they haven't done that is shameful. Yes, we saw the Ivy League last week and UPenn put out two statements of support for Leah Thomas, uh, but the NCAA did not. The NCAA has not commented on this issue at all, at least from what I've seen publicly. And they're doing themselves and these two athletes, Leah Thomas and Isaac Henning, who are out trans competitors and they're winning and they're doing well, they are doing them a disservice as well and opening them up to more of these ad hominem attacks by staying silent and not explaining why, again, they are following the appropriate policy. And it is also worth mentioning that whenever we talk about trans athletes and especially Leah Thomas and Isaac Henning, Sid had this in his piece, uh, him and Carly Webb, a a great writer who we have here at Outsports as well, a proud out uh, trans woman, uh, she and Sid have compiled a list and they've identified 
at least 27 out-trans athletes who have competed across college sports over the last decade or so, and you really haven't heard of many of them. So it is still important to recognize that, yeah, the excuse of, or not the excuse, but the explanation of, well, trans athletes don't win anyway, you know, it's such an infinitesimal percentage, it's a small, you know, not even worth talking about. That's not true, because Leah Thomas and Isaac Henning are winning, but it is still important to keep in mind that, as I said, we know at least 27 out trans athletes have competed across college sports over the last decade or so, and I guarantee you, you haven't heard of many of them. I mean, in fact, Leah Thomas and Isaac Henning, because I just talked about them, they have been the only two out trans athletes that you've heard of. So by and large, these are still athletes looking to compete amongst their peers in accordance with their gender identity. And just through this whole debate and all the nuances that admittedly are there, uh, I do think it is important to keep that larger point into context. So there you go. 100 episodes. Yes, 100 episodes. There's been a lot of themes, a lot of interesting guests, including my guest last week, Roger Brigham, the gay, the pioneering gay sports writer. Uh, I do want to make a quick correction, by the way, before I go further. Uh, I wrongly said last week that Roger was the first out gay sports writer at a Metro Daily. He actually is believed to be the first out gay editor at a Metro Daily when he came out, when he worked for the Anchorage Daily News way back in 1982. Uh, So if you haven't heard that, go back and listen. In addition to being a great journalist over 46 years, elevating LGBTQ people and issues in sports, uh, Roger has battled so much personally and triumphed so much personally over an HIV diagnosis, losing the peripheral vision in one of his eyes, uh, you know, as, as he wrote it in his farewell column, basically undergoing every health complication imaginable, losing both of his hips, and yet joining an LGBTQ wrestling club in his 50s. Just an incredible story of perseverance that is always important, I think, to hear during these times. And I've been fortunate enough to have a couple of guests who have really inspired and have stories that make you wonder, well, if they can get through what they've been getting through, I mean, what the hell am I doing wallowing in this misery? <laughs> um, but uh, so 100 episodes in, we've had on, we've had on a lot of themes, mostly sports, some not sports. We'll continue to do that as we go forward because most importantly, you know, I view this per- this podcast as a personality-based podcast. Yes, again, we're under the Outsports umbrella. We primarily talk about LGBTQ sports issues. I know that's what you come to us for, what you tune into this podcast for. But I also think we've developed a nice rapport. We've developed a nice community. I'm honored to be part of this community now going on two years here. And in these times of COVID, which again has been going on for two years at this point, community is so important. And community is something that so many people lack. You know, I was saying to one of my friends a couple weeks ago when we were out for brunch as gays would do, um, that, you know, we're really kind of the minority uh, in terms of, you know, I'm lucky enough to be in a place in life where I have a community of people in person who I see all the time. I have some great friends. I have a larger social circle that expands from that. I obviously have great parents. Uh, I am, you know, a great brother, I am not alone in this world, and I have brunch dates, I have dinner dates, I have cocktails, I go over a friend's house, we make dinner, we hang out, I play in the gay sports leagues. I, I, am, I consider myself to be 
a very active and social person, and I thrive off of being around other people. And even during the darkest days of the pandemic, early spring of 2020, when we had no idea what the hell was going on, uh, I, I think it's safe to say now I mostly abided by the strict quarantine rules, but didn't fully abide by them. Every Friday night, we had a RuPaul's Drag Race night at one of my good friends' house. Uh, me, my roommates, him and his roommates, we got together, about eh, probably six of us, and we watched RuPaul's Drag Race, and it was a lifesaver during those really dark times to have some, you know, once a week, some real actual in-person communication, in-person socialization, uh, just being around other humans. You know, we were safe during the week. We were pretty confident that we wouldn't be passing the virus off to each other. We were all healthy people with thankfully no pre-existing conditions. So, you know, it was a a trade-off that we made, but it was one that we all thought was worth making. And as the pandemic has progressed, I've just been more and more thankful that I've been able to to do that. And when I look at, not to make this a huge think piece, but when I look at just the general problems of this country and all the division and polarization we face, it's, I think, a large portion of that is we're getting pulled further and further apart. It's it's hard to love thy neighbor when you don't see your neighbor, (laughs) right? And uh, unfortunately, that is the case we have in so much of this country We've been going that way anyway, and then like so many other trends, the pandemic just accelerated us like 50 years into the future with no transitional period. So it's been really, really rough, and that's why you see people viewing those on the other side of the political aisle as enemies. On top of that, they're fueled by partisan media, Facebook, we've talked about this on the show, the algorithms, they just want to show you content with which you will engage and People usually engage with content that makes them angry. So that's what Facebook and these social media sites keep feeding people from Fox News to MSNBC. It's an us versus them mentality. There's really no nonpartisan news sources anymore. So people just get revved up sitting alone in their homes, staring in front of screens all day and night. So of course they have this mentality of us versus them. And they're not getting out in the world and communicating with people. And that's something that I think we've hit on this show before, and in particular, some of the guests we've had on. I go back to uh, a cyclist that I had on over the summer, an out gay cyclist who rode his bike across the continental Americas. That's right. uh, North America, uh, Central America, South America. And during that time, he met all sorts of people. All sorts of people took him in for the night, some of whom he saw the Trump 2020 signs on their front lawns and they just had conversations and they were able to find that they actually had more in common than they thought they had and that they that they did and I know that sounds kind of corny and you want to roll your eyes at something like that but it's the truth get out there and talk to people that's what we just don't do enough of and that's just one thing that's bothered me so much about a lot of the messaging when it comes to covid i mean obviously Health is of the utmost importance, and as someone who did contract COVID, and you know, I understand this is something that is worth taking seriously. And you know, you just don't want to you don't want to pass it on to others. You want to keep everybody safe, but there has to be a balance in the public messaging, which finally we're getting now, two years into it. But for so long, it was just black and white: stay home, save lives. Well, what if just staying home? 
ruins your life, you know, ruins your mental state. And that's also a very elitist view. You know, stay home, stay safe. Well, home is not a safe place for everybody, especially, for example, LGBTQ youth who may be struggling and may not have the most supportive parents or system at home. They need to get out of the home to find that support. That's where the whole phrase chosen family comes from. So it's just, I've been mad, I've been enraged, frankly, that the that portion of it, the importance of community, does not get talked about enough. And I look at everything. I look at rising murder rates in a lot of, uh, rising homicide rates, rather, in a lot of cities. I look at the overdose deaths, the most ever, from April 2020 to April 2021. Uh, robberies are up. I mean, all sorts of violent crime is up. I mentioned overdoses are up. Alcoholism is up. Depression is up. And it's because we are so isolated. It, it really is bad on the psyche. And finally now, in January of 2022, where that's become the mainstream view. But for a long time, it wasn't. And for a long time, you were shouted down if you spoke about any of the mental health components to this. So yeah, long story short, thank you for being with me. Uh, it's important to have community, and that's something we always try to do at OutSports. Twitter is not a very friendly place, but I know that my OutSports Twitter feed is a friendly place. If you reach out, I'm always here to talk. Uh, yeah, it's just a fun community, and it's been fun to be a part of it and welcome everybody in over the last 100 episodes. So here's to 100 more. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next on the show next Saturday.